Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. I started Colossians a couple weeks ago, and I've really enjoyed my time um, in the book. It's, you know, Paul is just so passionate about just conveying the truth of the gospel to the Colossian church. You know, there's been some poisonous teaching that kind of has made its way into the church, and he's just like, we need to make sure that we've got the right Jesus. Um, and so the first two chapters, he's really kind of laying down some some doctrine and, and really some important things that, that you know, to remind the church of their first love. Um, and, and so, and he's passionate about it. And we did see in, in chapter one, again, just this him conveying like, look, this is, there is an absolute truth and it is Jesus crucified, buried and resurrected from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. Um, you know, we looked at, uh, you know, what it means to walk worthy you know, in a manner worthy of the Lord. And we'll look more into that next week in chapter three. Um, I, that, that piece in chapter one is always something that I would encourage all of you to go back to when, as the world just seems confusing and dark, um, you know, Paul lays it down. Look, this is our Jesus. He is deity. He is the image of the invisible God. He is supreme. He is the head. He is the firstborn of our all creation. And it just gives such a powerful list of this is our Jesus. So if you have doubt, you know, doubt the doubts and believe what you believe. And this is a this is such a great chapter to go back just to, um, you know, look at the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ. Chapter one. And we looked at um, God's mystery, which is Christ. And we're going to look a little bit more into that tonight. But as I was kind of, you know, weaving through chapter two. I was like, you know, we're going to talk about it because I want to just briefly touch on, you know, the, the religious group, the Gnostics that were kind of spreading, um, you know, some of these, uh, you know, alternative and false teachings about Jesus and just some strange things we'll look at briefly. But I was like, oh, I really want to talk about this. And then, like, God took me this totally different way. And I had this question, and this is the question that we'll come back to. But why? Why was Paul so adamant and so passionate to make sure that they had the right Jesus. And that is, that's what we'll, we'll come back to. Um, but let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for, for tonight. I thank you for this church. Um, Lord, I, I pray that your spirit would just give me words. You, you've, you've been with me preparing and, and just uh, lots of, of, of thoughts and things that have resonated into my soul. So, Lord, if you see fit, would you just help me to remember those things? So I thank you for tonight. And, Lord, we just bless you uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So prior to looking at it, I want to briefly just, uh, I did kind of a deep dive into Gnosticism because it is of interest. They are historical. And actually, in the mid-1940s, they sort of made this resurgence because they found these ancient manuscripts of these uh, these Gnostic Gospels, if you would. And so you had professors at colleges coming out and saying, oh, why were the early, you know, church fathers, why did they leave these Gospels out? You know, you got the Gospel of Judas and Thomas, and you're like, oh, yeah, those guys are in the Bible. Maybe we're missing something. But what's interesting is they hardly ever actually read these Gnostic Gospels. And so I'm going to just read something. You tell me if that sounds like the Jesus we know. Um, 
but so there was this resurgence. So a few things that um, I just want to highlight some of their their beliefs. But Gnostics, the Gnostics name is derived from the Greek word gnosis, uh, which essentially means knowledge. Their very name was a way of proclaiming to others that we are the true spiritual elite. Uh, Gnostics believe that they contained the secret knowledge. Um, and that the secret knowledge doesn't come from above, but it comes from self. Um, the Gnostics wrote supposed Jesus Gospels, but it's a different story. They presented a different Jesus. Um, Gnostics did not believe that Jesus was fully God. Um, instead, they believed that he was simply one emanation or, you know, uh, that there was multiple uh, forces that, that came from what they call um, uh, the, what is it, the pleroma, um, their, their sort of heaven that could essentially help people reach this gnosis state of self-realization, self-knowledge, etc. So Jesus was just sort of one of many. Um, they actually believed he was a phantom or like a ghost. So again, did not believe in the full uh, you know, bodily existence of Christ in human form. They also had some strange beliefs about women, which I'll read in a Minute, But um, the bottom line is they've twisted doctrine uh, put forth by our early church leaders and those who were actually with Christ. And we see this kind of today where things kind of, you know, just get twisted. You know, New Age relativism and other religions who don't present Christ as he was accounted for in the scriptures. And Corey's talked about this before. Great way to start a religion hey, the Judeo-Christian view is wrong or just a little bit off and I've received some new revelation and so come join my new cult or my new religion. And so you have to, we always have to know who, who is our Jesus, right? And um, so they, were, they got a little sideways and again, twisted, uh, twisted doctrine. And so while everyone is entitled to their own beliefs and their own faith, right? We wanna be respectful of, of all those that come from a different faith. If, if we're going to talk about Christianity, if we're going to talk about our ancient holy scriptures that we value, that, that uh, guides our life, you need to respect that, right? And don't just say some other thing and call it Jesus. So that's the thing. That's what Paul, Paul's really honing in. Look, this is the Christ. Um, so... One other quick thing. So Gnostic movement wasn't just a, an intellectual, intellectual realization. Uh, this heaven they proclaimed, also known as pleroma or fullness, had to be experienced firsthand through mystical ecstasy. Only Now, this is where you can see how people were like, oh, wait, maybe there's something there. Only the heavenly spirit within oneself could do so. And this amounted to transcending the world and everything in it. The self finally understood itself as it really was. And through that radical self-knowledge, it achieved liberation from any and all earthly circumstances and the humiliating, pointless suffering that went along with them. So you read something like that and you go, wow, that sounds pretty spiritual. Maybe they're on to something, right? Um, those who have not known themselves have known nothing, but those who have known themselves already have acquired knowledge about the depth of the all. And in the, world's, in the words of Valentinian, the Gnostic teacher, uh, Theodotus, it is not, however, the bath or baptism alone that makes one free, but the knowledge or gnosis, too. Who we were, what we have become, where we were, 
where we have come to be placed, where we are tending, and what birth is and what rebirth is. So again, you know, imagine being a new Christian in, you know, uh, the Colossian church, and you, you were presented the gospel. You know, Epaphras was the messenger, by the way, that we learned about in chapter one. He had heard Paul's teaching, went back to the church, and, and was shared the gospel with the people. But then you have these other people kind of cruising around and, and saying things like that. And you say, well, that sounds really deep. You know, maybe there's something there. So as we're reading through, just make your ears attuned to kind of what Paul was, um, you know, what he was trying to. He was, taking, he was trying to take confusion and bring clarity and taking false teaching and giving truth teaching. That's what he was doing. So I'll read this one uh, last thing from uh, the Gospel of Thomas that was discovered. Okay? So this is the Gospel of Thomas. Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. Uh, Actually, they had it on like the History Channel and stuff. Oh, the Lost Gospels. I don't know if anybody saw these things. But here's something from the Gospel of Thomas. Simon Peter said to them, Let Mary go out from among us. For women are not worthy of the life. Now Jesus said, Look, I will lead her that I may make her male, in order that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who makes herself male will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Gospel of Thomas. This is what was being proclaimed as, as you know, the church, early church fathers not, you know, uh, compromising, you know, what was put forth. So we have to actually read and, and you'll have pe- people will just say things. I, I've experienced it. I've had, you know, family that have said, oh, well, what about these other gospels that were left out? OK, let's read them, you know. So we, we want to know um, what it is that people are talking about. And certainly it's wise to actually read this stuff so that you can know it, it strengthens your own faith. You're like, yeah, that, that's just not um, those are not the manuscripts that. Uh, were put forth by our Jesus and the disciples. So, um, anyhow, okay, so let's get into chapter 2, and uh, we will look at Paul and how he takes some of this stuff on. So, chapter 2, verse 1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So no self-knowledge, no self-realization. There is no secret mystery. The mystery is Christ. Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So you can sense that they, uh, the, the Colossian church hadn't like fully jumped in on this heretical teaching, some of this false teaching, right? They were, Paul's just like, just wait a minute, you know, don't go there. So they, he still recognizes that they, and in chapter 1 he says, gosh, Epaphras tells me of your great love for one another. So they haven't fully embraced this, um, you know, some of these strange teachings. Verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established 
in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. I love this word rooted. You know, you think of um, plants and how plants, you know, they store food and, and you know, food and water it makes it grow. And, you know, when, when plants are firmly rooted, when the storms come, they're not going to get ripped out. Right. And so Paul says here, like, stay rooted in the Jesus that you fell in love with, that found you through through the grace from God. Like stay rooted in Christ so that your roots are deep. And so when you hear some of these strange things, you're you know, the Holy Spirit in you will say, yeah, that is not truth. Right. And we need that today. We need that today. There is there's a lot of, uh, you know, strange teaching out there in evangelical churches. And so we got to know, we got to have the right Jesus. And part of that is being rooted, um, you know, knowing God's word and seeing Christ for who he is. Um, Verse eight. So see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him, the whole fullness of, of deity dwells bodily. So we know that Christ was in bodily form. He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't a ghost. He was fully God and fully man. He took it on the cross for all of us in all his pain and despair and agony. He felt all of that. He was not a ghost as the Gnostics were sharing. And Paul says, and you have been filled with him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So we actually had a picture of Corinne, who if you were at the Easter service Last year, uh, she got dunked. She, she jumped in and, and got baptized uh, last year, and it was just beautiful. You know? And we're called, Peter says, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer and you've never been baptized, go get dunked. I mean, because it is a beautiful expression, symbolically, water baptism, of being you know, emerged, you know, sub- submerged, into the water, the old man, the old woman, the, you know, dying to self and being raised to life with Christ. The hope of glory that one day as he was raised in his glorified body, we're going to receive our glorified bodies one day. Hallelujah. That's going to be awesome. Um, so, yes, baptism is important and uh, get baptized if you have not yet been baptized. Um, verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Now, I professionally, almost the last 20 years, I've, I've been helping people um, financially, and I sometimes come across folks that are so, they're drowning in debt to the point where They've been in tears. They see no way out. Uh, they're not gaining any ground. And it's completely debilitating to where they literally feel like they are slaves to debt. And I just was, I was thinking about this. I'm like, imagine if you were 
um, you know, you had a million dollars of, of debt and you were just, ne- it was never going to happen that you could ever, ever get out of it. And you had this with, you know, JP Morgan Chase and you walk out of there and some representative from, you know, Wells Fargo comes next to you and says, Hey, come on next door. We got, we got a big surprise for you. you walk in and they say, all your debt's gone. It's all good. You know, you, you are good to go. And you'd be like, huh? You know, and, and it would just be this, this liberating feeling that you no longer, you know, have to, to grind and you have hope. You know, that would be a very freeing experience. You know, and for us, it, it, if, if God could have looked past our sin, the cross would not have been necessary. Okay? Again, if God could, could look past our sin, there, there is no need for the cross. But we are all children of the fall. We're all children of, you know, the fall of, of Adam and Eve. And so we have, you know, we, we're born enemies of God, you know, totally depraved. And, and there is a need. We must come to the cross. But the beautiful thing is big sin, little sin, it's all sin. And he literally paid it all on his cross. And so we are free. Those chains are broken. No condemnation, no, no shame. We are free. You don't have to walk around carrying that feeling like you're never going to get ahead because you are ahead. You're free. And that's what the cross accomplished. And it's, it's mind-blowing. Um, so yes, so this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. I love that. He made a public spectacle of Satan. He said, look, all your... Your words, your accusations, trying to get to my people. He made a a spectacle of all of that and said, it's done. It's done at the cross. What an amazing, um, beautiful thing. Okay, so I'm just going to summarize verses 16 through 23. So we have, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished in it together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So what we see here is there, there can be an appearance of, of spirituality. There can be an appearance of religion, you know. But, you know, let no one judge you for food or drink. This is, this is legalism. You know, Christ established in the new covenant, with the new covenant, and he fulfilled the law. If one is being legalistic for the sake of, of an outward appearance of, of spiritual, you know, spirituality following rules, it negates what Christ did on the cross. So the law was a shadow, right, of the substance that would come that we have 
in Christ. So does it, it doesn't mean that the law is inherently bad. We, it's, it, we need to, to follow, but that by no means is, is any means of, of our salvation or, or being reconciled to God. So we could, these, these Gnostics and these people groups, you know, they, were, they had asceticism. So they, were, they would self-harm. They would have these extended, long fasts or deprive themselves of things, of food and drink, and say, look, we're, we're very spiritual, you know? And Paul's saying, no, like that's gone, that, that's done, you know? What's, what is the motivation, you know, of your fast? What is the motivation of you, you know, following and be obedient to the law? But, you know, in the do nots, that whole piece, that's, you see that, and then you get into Christianity's no fun. It's this religion, it's this faith of rules and regulations and just a bunch of people that are super serious and judgmental, you know, and so the whole do not, do not, do not. And this is what I have found. When you are striving, and I found this in my own life, so guilty is charged. When you're striving and you're trying to perform, it's almost more difficult to experience and receive God's grace because it's, it's darn near impossible to be able to confess and see the wrong and see the sin in your life because you carry so much shame. You're trying so hard. You know, do not, do not, do not. So it's not as if, it's like um, what, my oldest son, you know, uh, I think I've shared this before. It's when daddy raises his voice, I come to the father. Uh, I come to my knees, Lord, forgive me. And I go to my boys, boys, you need, you forgive me. And then they say, well, dad, we saw you out there praying. You could just go do that every time you yelled at us. You know, and that's, it's like, well, yeah, but wait a minute. That's, that's not exactly, and, and that's not what I'm conveying here now. But we don't want to get caught up in just, just performing, right? Just, just doing it. Because we are going to be those darn right Christians. And we're going we're gonna, to, uh, you know, not have the love that we need for those around us. So being strong in the truth, know the truth, right? Be prepared to give an account for that which you believe, um, but let's just not be rule followers to just be for the sake of, you know, rule following. So it's kind of what I feel like Paul is, is getting at here, too. So, um, so this gets back to what the question that I had. You know, why was Paul so adamant and so passionate about all of this? And the reason is God turned Paul's life upside down when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. It makes no sense for a man like Paul, who is a Pharisee of all Pharisees, Jew of all Jews, well-educated, super smart, you know, observing Christians being executed. It makes no sense for him to have gone and endured what he endured unless something radical happened in his life, and it did, he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I just want to read that because it's so refreshing. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that he could find out any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. 
And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, for behold, where am I? For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands, lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. So Paul had an incredible encounter with Jesus, right? And it doesn't make any sense that, you know, this highly educated man who could think, right, and articulate himself well, you know, would go on and endure such suffering. But it was because love reached down from heaven and showed him the way. You know, Paul had an incredible means of deliverance. But deliverance comes in sometimes unlikely places for us as well. And if it is true deliverance, if it is from the Lord, who cares how it happens, you know? Sometimes I think we feel like we, we need some radical, crazy spiritual experience. But um, it's very interesting how people come to the Lord. You know, what happens is when we put our faith in Christ, there's this supernatural change of heart that is unexplainable. You know, this indescribable joy and peace that you can't explain. I'll share a quick story. So I'm a, this goes back to 2007. I had gotten involved with Alcoholics Anonymous and I was very much struggling and that was how God helped deliver me from alcohol was through Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was sitting there and praise the Lord within just a couple months of God stripping me, you know, removing alcohol and everything that I had indulged in in the world. I became so hungry for the Lord. I became so hungry for scripture. And so I'm reading through scripture and just a couple months into it, I went to my sponsor. Okay, a sponsor is someone that kind of helps you along, you know, working through the, uh, the steps of, of the program, etc. And I'm like, I got to tell him about Jesus. 
You know, he's, he's not a believer. He's this wonderful guy who's willing to give me his time and, and help me do this. And I'm like, I got to tell him about Jesus. I have no idea what to say, but I'm going to go for it. So I remember sitting there at his house and I just start saying to him and I'll keep his name uh, confidential. But I just said, hey, you know, I, I, there's just something going on with me. And he said, OK, what? Well, what's going on? I said, well, it's Jesus. And he said, OK, well, tell me about this Jesus. And I'm like. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is there's just something amazing happening in my life. I have peace. I have, uh, I'm excited. I have hope. I have understanding. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit had come and invaded my life. And so as I'm reading the scriptures, I'm reading them in truth. I'm receiving them in truth. I'm seeing the world differently. All of a sudden, my, my, uh, selfish eyes became selfless eyes. I wanted to help people. I wanted to love people. I didn't want to like just have everything for me. And there was no other explanation other than Jesus. And so while I did an awful job, you know, it, it doesn't, that's what I'm trying to get at here is doctrine and theology. It's so important. But what is beautiful about the Lord is when he comes and he chooses you and he invades your life and you get the Holy Spirit and he comes and indwells your life. There's there's no explanation for it. It is radical. And you, you begin to have a completely different lens in your life. Right. And there's no explanation of how people can heal through things. I just met with a friend lost his wife when their children were three and one years old, lost his sister when, when she was 32 years old, all these things. And he has so much joy and so much hope. And there's, there's no explanation for that other than Jesus, the real Jesus, the truth of the gospel in his life. And that, that happens. Losing a spouse too early, losing a child too early. How do we get through these things? It doesn't make sense. Every day we wake up is a battle. But we have so much joy and we have so much hope. But there is no rational explanation. There's no rational explanation why a a highly intelligent person that has all this clout, that's so respected, whether you're a, you know, I, I don't know, a successful business person or this and that, and you have... You got all these attaboys or girls, and then all of a sudden they're different and they become very generous and, you know, selfless. It's because of Christ and how he changed their life. People are set free from all kinds of things, addictions and anger and rage, um, greed, all of these things, all by the power of the Holy Spirit because one puts their faith in Christ by God's good grace. And that's what happened to Paul. And that's why he was so passionate to say, no, look, I have seen the resurrected Christ. I have been in his presence. You've got to get this one right because all of that other stuff is not the right Jesus. And when you have the wrong Jesus It all goes bad. It's all wrong. And so we are eternally lucky and fortunate to be in Christ. And I can remember last story. I was a prodigal story. 
You know, as a child, I heard the gospel message, and I knew it deep in my heart. At the age of 14, I began my, my journey away from faith to very, very, very dark, scary places. But God, he, he rescued me. You know, he, like I said, my life first, Colossians 1, 13, 14, he, he rescued me from the dominion of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of, of light. And I can just remember the, just the, the lonely feeling, the empty feeling that I had in those years. But then grace came to rescue me. Love came to rescue me. And I just remember the longing of my soul. I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to be in his peace and in his presence. And praise the Lord, you know, he brought me back. So, you know, my encouragement to to all of us is keep your love relationship with Jesus number one. Yes, study your word, sing songs to him. All of these things are so important. But let us never forget our first love. That, That verse in that song, take me back to where we started. I, I open up my heart to you. Whatever, however that happened, don't ever forget the experience, the supernatural exchange that you had with the Father by putting your faith in Christ. I just, I feel, I, I want to I pray that the Holy Spirit would just, would just, I'm going to pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your spirit. Lord, what a, what a miracle, Lord, that we have life. Lord, that you crushed Satan, sin, and death with the cross. And Lord, we have received your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I know, I know that it is the spirit that that makes, that provides revelation, that brings truth, that brings certainty, that, that makes the doubts go away. God, and I just pray that, that your spirit would, um, would fall upon, would rush upon each person here, God. We're called, we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray each person here, Father, would begin to pray each day as their feet hit the floor. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me now. God, you have never forsaken us. You are always with us. Thank you for delivering us, God, in in however way you did, but that your love came down from heaven in all of your grace and all of your mercy. Christ in us, the hope of glory. One day, Lord, our glorified bodies with your glorified body, Spirit, come, fill us fresh, give us power, give us love to love people when we can't love them. God, hold our tongues back when we want to say something that we shouldn't say. Spirit, give us self-control, give us generous hearts, Lord. Give us faithfulness. Oh, Spirit, thank you for your peace. And I pray that it would just rest heavy on each person. 
here tonight. Oh, we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today, and may his face shine upon you and give you peace. If you need prayer or would like to reach out to us, you can do so at our website, renewinghope.church. Until next time, 